Having a clear plan of where you want to go and what you want to accomplish can help you to get the most out of your career by ensuring that you're investing your energy to maximize return towards your goals and providing you with a way to communicate your aspirations to others. This is our final episode in our five-part series on career planning, where we'll combine all of the ideas we've been building up to to this point, and I'll walk through how to actually build your career plan, how to use it both immediately and over time, and how to effectively communicate it to others. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Progress Over Perfection Coaching Podcast. My name is Patrick Dedrick, and I'm the founder of Progress Over Perfection Coaching and the host of the show. Progress Over Perfection Coaching is a podcast focused on career management and development by offering insight on how to build an intentionally balanced and purpose-filled career. And we made it. We're here with the final episode in a five-part series detailing how to build a career plan. As with each other episode to this point, if you found yourself here wondering what this podcast is all about, I invite you to take a step back and check out our earlier episodes. So in this finale, I'll walk you through how to put together everything we've talked about in the previous four episodes, how to build a career that brings meaning to you and your life by leveraging your strengths, your interests and passions, and that fills a need for a company or the community around you that you can ultimately be paid for. Once we go through how to put that plan together, I'll talk about how to use your career plan and how to communicate it to others in a way that they can understand. And possibly most importantly, how to understand when and how to pivot your plan to make sure that it still rings true for you. Now, while I've been fairly prescriptive to this point in the steps that I suggest that you take to build your career plan, I do want to reiterate that this is all a suggestion and in no way is meant to be taken as the definitive way to build a career plan for everyone. What I've laid out is a method that I have found to work for myself and I've worked with others where it's been proven to work for them too. However, this is absolutely meant to be prescribed as uh, are presented as an a la carte or buffet style method. Take what you want, leave what you don't. My goal is to present a way to approach planning your career and hopefully get you a little further than you might have been able to otherwise. With that, let's finally build our career plan. So in the first episode, I described how I was first introduced to the idea of a career ikigai plan, where there were four circles that all overlapped one another in different areas and where they all overlapped and converged in the center represented your reason for being, or ikigai. Those four circles represented what you love, what you're good at, what the world needs, and what you can be paid for. Again, if you've been following along, we've gone through what makes up each of those four dimensions and how you can build an inventory for yourself. So if you have that inventory, then you can start to draw out your map. Now, you can draw the four circle ikigai career map diagram for yourself that I just described. It's pretty straightforward. But if you're like me, you may be a little geometrically and artistically challenged, so I've posted a free resource that you can download and use for yourself. There's a link in the show notes. So please feel free to use this to continue to follow along. It isn't a PDF though, so it might take a little manipulating to make edits on your computer. And honestly, I like to print it off and write on it myself. There's a much more tactile feeling to be able to draw something out or to write it out and cross it out and make edits over time. And the first thing I suggest doing is to take the list of Ikigai dimensions that you've built for yourself if you've been following along. And as a reminder, those four dimensions are broken out into two groups. There's the intrinsic or internally derived dimensions, and that's what you love and what you're good at, and the extrinsic or externally derived dimensions, and that's what the world or the company you work for or want to work for needs and what you can be paid for. 
or as I like to think about it, kind of an increasing level of responsibility or scope. So if you have this list handy, you can start to put each of those activities or attributes into the appropriate section of the diagram. For this part of the exercise, there's no need to overthink the placement, and, if you, don't, uh, and you don't need to try to look for intersections of different dimensions. Really just put them onto the sole dimension area that makes the most sense based on what you've already built. The important part here is to get it on paper so you can easily reference it. And I actually suggest that you start with two blank copies of this diagram. One for plotting out the inventories like I just described, and a second to then plot out the roles, functions, or experiences that you're interested in. And this is what's actually going to serve as your career plan or your map. Now these could be roles that you've discovered as you research some of the extrinsic dimensions of Ikigai, or they could be experiences that you know that you want for yourself in your career. The important thing to remember during this exercise is to fill out the diagram as best you can from what you understand about the roles you're putting into your chart with regards to which dimensions of Ikigai it would afford you. Now, there's something to be said about how accurate this is if you're working only off of job descriptions. I'm sure most people, actually anybody that's gotten a job before can speak to how much or little a job description does to describe the actual job and that the reality of the job can actually vary significantly from what you thought you were getting into. Given that, Another more generic approach you can use for this that may be less susceptible to this kind of inaccuracy is to focus on departments or functions that could be of interest that meet the requirements of what you're looking for. This could be something broad like finance or marketing. And if you're also less attached to specific roles or functions, you can actually approach this part of the exercise by filling out specific experiences that are important to you in your career and what you want to get out of it. For example, for myself, one of the things that I actually consider one of the most important things on my career map is to live and work abroad, because it's something that not necessarily that I'm not necessarily good at or that I love to do. It would fall more into the intersection of what a company needs that I could be paid for. So in this sense, I imagine it as kind of an expat position or assignment, and it would fall within the vocation intersection of the map. And if you need a refresher on the Ikigai dimension intersections, you can check out part one of this career plan series. Now, with this example, it only meets the extrinsic aspects of my career. And in a minute, I'll get into how to think about this kind of lopsided representation when you evaluate opportunities and how to navigate your career plan. Really, the beauty of this process is that this list is not going to be your final list. This is a draft. And notice how I didn't say first draft, because that has the connotation that there's a final draft somewhere. It's just an iteration at a point in time. So if you keep up with this plan throughout your career, You'll remove roles or functions as you take them on or realize that they no longer belong in your plan because of what you're, what you're looking for has changed. And you'll add new roles, functions, and experiences as you learn more about what you're looking for and what brings you fulfillment. So now that you have some stops mapped out on your career plan, you can start to think about how to navigate it. As I contrasted in the previous episode, this is a way of thinking about this way of thinking about your career is not meant to be linear. There isn't a clear path to say that you go to this role, which leads you to the next one and next and so on and so on. As you think about where you want to go next in your career, you can use the plan you've built to assess the next best choice for what's most important to you at this point in time. For example, if you're early on in your career, you may not have a very lengthy list of things that you love or have gotten a good feel for what you're good at. In that sense, you may choose opportunities that are more focused on what the company needs or opportunities that allow you to gain new responsibilities or focus on compensation. On the other hand, if you're later in a career, you may need to focus may not need to focus as much on pay or increasing responsibilities, especially if you know that you want to focus on what you love to do and what you're good at. Ultimately, the goal is to find a balance of each of these dimensions. 
However, that perfect balance, that ikigai, may not actually exist, but you can still use the pursuit of that as a means to keep your attention on being intentional about what you're looking for in your career or what you're looking for in what you want to pursue next. One warning about trying to figure out where to start your journey using this plan is that you should not get hung up on trying to find a role or opportunity that checks all the boxes of things that you're looking for. If you try to find that perfect unicorn dream job, then you may spend all of your time waiting for that one role to come along. However, if you determine the one or two things that's most important about what you want to achieve now or next, or what skills are most important for you to acquire immediately, then you can start to identify not only one opportunity that can meet those requirements, but hopefully a few, so then you've got some choices. If you're trying to emphasize, if there's one thing to emphasize, keeping in mind in this area, is progress over perfection. Focus on moving forward intentionally rather than getting it quote unquote right or perfect. Odds are you have an inkling of what you want, and I suggest that you start there. If you may not have an idea of where to start, I'll touch on that at the end of this episode. And spoiler alert, it might be a shameless plug. So while I do say that you don't need to think of your career plan as being necessarily linear, that point A to point B thinking can be used to guide progression. Say, for example, that you want to lead a large organization responsible for hundreds of people. If you don't have any people leading experience, then you're going to need to take on some preliminary roles or gain some prerequisite experiences to make you qualified for that goal position. That's not to say you shouldn't have lead a large organization experience on your map for where you want to go, but you should also look for other roles that can progress you towards that goal. So that means you might want other stops on your career plan to include something like the ability to mentor someone, which leads to or unlocks managing one person, which unlocks managing a small team and so on. So you can kind of think of this progression in terms of needing to unlock certain skills before you can work on or acquire more advanced skills. They're all going to build on one another, and you just need to make sure that you focus on growing in a way that allows you to best succeed by making sure that you're equipped both from an experience and capability standpoint. So another way to think of this journey on a career map is to think in terms of a trade-off or a balance between necessity and desire. For example, there might be two roles you have on your career map. One might be full of nothing but what you love to do and does little else for unlocking other opportunities or scratching the itch of other ikigai dimensions. The other role might be more focused on what the company needs. It might be sparse in terms of letting you focus on what you love or what you know you're good at, but from what you can tell, completing this role might open up other doors down the road that would make you a strong candidate for roles that might look pretty close to your ikigai or dream job. So this is a bit extreme for illustrative purposes, but it's meant to drive home the point that being thoughtful and intentional about how you direct your career is essential. And using this framework can help you see some of the see where some of these critical decision points might be. It's almost like you need to plan a couple moves ahead to make sure that you don't end up in a dead end so that you can continue your momentum forward. Having said that, please also keep in mind that there are other ways to find these ikigai dimensions for yourself that complement your career. So if you're, you aren't getting what you need in one area of the dimensions of your career, current career situation, you can look to some other avenues to fill that void. That could be something like volunteer work or specific hobbies or even a side project. So obviously time and energy are going to be a huge constraint here, but the point is that your career doesn't and shouldn't be the sole source of meaning and fulfillment in your life. So what you've built up to this point, these two maps can serve as kind of a visual resume. 
and you can take the list of inventories that you've built uh, and pick experiences and accomplishments from your career that speak to it. Like I mentioned before, the inventory is a way to kind of tell the story of where you've been and the list of future experiences or roles that you want to pursue is where you want to go. So while this can be more interesting than a standard Word document that you've undoubtedly seen for yourself as far as a traditional resume goes, uh, I definitely wouldn't recommend completely substituting that traditional format for this this new kind of visual resume. Especially, I, I wouldn't submit it for any job applications online, or at least not expect positive results in doing so. It's really just another way to think about things, and it's really best served if you're able to talk to somebody one-on-one -on -one and kind of present something in a way that's a little more visually interesting than, like I mentioned, that bullet point uh, Word document resume. So there will be different circumstances or contexts that you can use to talk to others about your career. And depending on the relationship that you have with those people, you can choose to utilize this new career plan and visual resume accordingly. So for example, if you're meeting someone for the first time, either through something like a LinkedIn cold call or through an introduction from a friend, then you probably want to tread lightly when it comes to bombarding them with new ideas that stray from what's commonly thought of when one thinks of a career map. At best, you end up taking up half the time you scheduled with them, dissecting your map and framing it up for them so that they can understand it. And then you get little other time to talk about what you may have wanted to initially talk about. At worst, you show up as an overexcited, scatterbrained, and potentially reminiscent of the Pepe Silvia conspiracy scene from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Believe me, I can speak from experience to these ends of the spectrum and have shown up on either end. Now, it's not to say that there can't be a happy medium, but it really does depend on the context of the meeting you're having, or the meeting you're having, and having laid the groundwork both in the meeting itself and the relationship you want to have with that person to that point. All that to say, you may actually work at a company where there is a culture of openness and self-directed career freedom that encourages, if not expects, that you're having conversations along these lines as a regular part of your development. I've had the privilege of working for a couple of companies that fall into this category, and it's common in these cultures to have a visual resume or a one-pager that describes who you are and what you've done and where you want to go, so that when you do network with someone, you have something to show at a glance. And often, these networking conversations are centered around how you can develop your career, and it's not uncommon to meet others that work in functions that may be uh, a departure from your current functional organization. Similarly, as you start to target specific companies that you may want to work for, you can do research on them to understand the culture around career development that they have. And depending on what you learn, it might be appropriate to introduce some aspects of this kind of career map into your networking with them. When it comes down to it, there's no one right way to tell when or even if it's going to be appropriate to use this kind of career map when you talk to others. Each person's different, and each relationship that you form with them is going to be unique. That means that you'll need to use your judgment when you work with them to see if you feel comfortable in approaching your career development from this perspective. And it doesn't need to be some kind of secret either. You can be forward about the fact that you want to talk about it. And you can bring up that you have a somewhat unique way to, to think about your career that you wanted to share and get feedback on. I found that these kind of conversations go easier if I'm very intentional and clear about this being a topic of conversation that I want to have and preface a meeting with an agenda that goes into some detail about what I want to share. Nothing too elaborate, but it's really just a way to set the scene so we both know what we're getting into when I meet with someone. So one of the distinguishing aspects of this kind of career map is that it's meant to be flexible and iterative. So as you change, whether that be what you're looking for in your career or what you love to do or what you want, where you want your career to take you, 
This plan can change with you so that you don't feel like you have to create a new plan each time you change directions. One of the main ways to honor this adaptability is to keep tabs on your Ikigai Dimension inventories that you made in the second and third episodes. This can be done as a regular milestone check-in on a monthly or quarterly basis, or more regularly on a weekly or even daily basis. And depending on the cadence that you set for yourself to do these checks, the level of effort required is going to be different. For example, if you opt for more spread out check-ins, then I suggest what you do to evaluate your career map. Uh, You almost go through a light version of what you did to build it initially. You assess what's true for you in each of the four dimensions of Ikigai, and then compare that to your previous list to see what's changed. Then you can go through the rest of the exercise to see which roles, experiences, or functions that are on your map that might need to change. Do some things need to be removed or added, or maybe you need to rethink the order that you want to go about traversing your career map. Using this approach, though, the activity is really treated more like an event. On the flip side, if you'd like to keep a more frequent pulse on your career map, then you can do a weekly or even daily assessment. And this can look like journaling about the different parts of your day or week that stood out as either having resonance or dissonance with your career plan and Ikigai inventories. For example, if you find your current role is forcing you to spend a lot of time on activities that aren't aligned with your Ikigai career map, then you can check and adjust your map to make sure that you're focused on finding a next role that better aligns with what you're looking for. Or, if you come across new activities or experiences that were unexpected, this might cause you to add those things to your career map and look for the next possible roles that allow you to spend more time with those kinds of activities. One way that I like to approach this, again, because I love checklists, is to start each day with a list of things I need to accomplish for work. Then, I also write out my meeting schedule. And I know you can print this out like an Outlook version, but I really think there's something to be said for writing it down and taking a step to internalize it that allows me to better frame up what my day is going to look like. Then, at the end of the day, I assess each of the things that I did or meetings that I attended to get a feel for what it did for me. Did it add or detract from my energy? I don't use this assessment to go about any major muscle movements with my career plan, but it really helps me to understand uh, about myself what I like and don't like so that I can shape how I spend my time within limits and be an active participant in how I spend my day. In this sense, if I do need to make changes to my career map, it is less of an event and kind of small nudges in one direction or another. So when you do notice, or if you do notice that something needs to change, it's good to take stock of why it needs to change. What about yourself or what you want is now different in causing you to adjust your course? Is the change something near-term, more in line with what you're looking to do as a next role, or something more long-term that's going to shape where you want your career to take you? Honing in on that can help you to restructure your career map so that you get the most out of it when you need it. To speak to another personal example, many of my earlier iterations of a career map had me ending up as some kind of VP or something down the road. Granted, I built my career map using a more traditional method of basically pick a role way out there and then back into it over time with other opportunities that lead there. But there actually came a point where I no longer wanted all that came with that title. While the scope of work seemed interesting, the demands and responsibility didn't seem to leave a lot of room for other things in my life. As I started to build my family, I reassessed what was important to me and ultimately removed that role and aspirations for that level of seniority from my career map. Again, this is a really personal uh, kind of decision and was unique to my situation and for me. And I don't mean to say that vice presidents of companies can't be both effective in their roles and have enough time to devote to their family. It's more a testament of my own evaluation of what I wanted out of my career. 
and I urge you to keep that in mind as you continue to iterate on your own career map, that you don't need to hold yourself to the standards and expectations of others. So while the goal of your career map and all this work is to help you make intentional efforts to find a fulfilling and purpose-filled career, there is a chance you could end up in a situation where what you once wanted is no longer what you now want, and you really need to change course. And this can feel like quitting. And I hate to sound dramatic about it, but we live in a society and culture where stick-to-itiveness and unwavering persistence are seen as badges of honor, regardless of how miserable it may make you. And while I do believe in persistence and standing up to adversity, there's a difference between that and blindly pursuing something because you declared that you once wanted it. If you truly believe that you want something different than your current trajectory is pointing you towards, then you owe it to yourself to refocus your career. Now, a couple of great resources I suggest uh, checking out that can help speak to this are the books Do Hard Things by Steve Magnus and Designing Your Life by Bill Burnett and Dave Evans. And I'm going to post some links to those in the show notes in case you're interested in checking those out. So a lot of this has to do, this fear of quitting has to do with this idea of a sunk cost fallacy. That if you've invested your time and energy into pursuing something, then even if you change course, or that if you do change course, then you're giving up all that you invested. And what you did invest was a waste. And I've been there. About three years into my career in supply chain, I'd worked my way through a couple of different companies and into a master scheduler role that I was sure was going to be exactly what I was looking for. When I started the role, I realized it carried with it a skill set that I was less prepared for, and I wasn't good at it. I felt overwhelmed, out of place, and like I'd made a career mistake that I was going to cause that was going to cause me to stall out or even underperform. It made me question if I was on the right career path. Maybe supply chain and planning weren't for me, and maybe I'd made a terrible mistake. Worse yet, a mentor and manager had vouched for me to get the role. So I felt that if I quit this career, I wouldn't just be throwing away three years of my time, over $100,000 in student loan debt, the additional time and cost of a couple of professional certifications, but also I'd be embarrassing a valued mentor and burning the bridges I'd built with him. I actually went so far as to start to see if a different career path would be right for me, although not using this framework. Ultimately, I decided to stick with it after talking to my mentor and building out a plan to become more proficient in my role. And while I'm glad I did this, it doesn't quite illustrate my point about quitting being a viable avenue on your career map. It is, however, meant to illustrate how difficult a decision it can be and that you shouldn't make that decision alone. And that holds true even if you aren't in a relationship or have a family that depends on you. This is a big decision and talking with someone to see what may be true about it or might be a matter of a dissonant perspective can be really helpful. That being said, if after self-evaluation and consultation with trusted advisors or mentors, you still feel that things have fundamentally changed for what you want out of your career, then you really should start the process of making a change. One of the sayings that come to mind when thinking about this approach is that you shouldn't chase bad money with good. You've spent time and effort on a career that may not be working for you, and there's no changing that. You absolutely shouldn't keep throwing your time and energy at it to try and turn it around if there are no signs that anything's going to change. And if you are interested in learning more about this idea of quitting and how to pro, uh, productively apply it to your career, I highly encourage you to check out a recent episode of one of my favorite podcasts, The Art of Coaching, hosted by Brett Bartholomew. In it, he interviews Annie Duke to talk about the concept of knowing when to quit and how to, doing so at the right time can make a significant impact on your life. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. So when you do realize that you want to change and know that what you want to change, then you can start to assess what parts of your plan can stay the same and which ones need to go and what needs to be added. 
Back to the analogy of a literal map on a journey, you can change your destination and the stops you want to take on the way along the way to getting there, but it doesn't change where you've been. So that being said, as you recraft your career plan story that you identify with and may tell others, you want to be mindful of how you integrate these pivots into your story. It can be done in a way that helps us speak to an intentional choice in a kind of hindsight being 2020 kind of way. What's important is that you use these changes to your advantage in telling your story and that you do so in a way that lets you own the narrative of it rather than leave it to others' interpretation. Above all else, the story you craft should be true and at least to yourself. But while it is meant, uh, and while it is meant to be crafted in a way that speaks to clear purpose and direction, it should feel authentic to who you are, what you've done, and what you're trying to achieve. An example of this, early in my career, I pivoted to a number of different companies, about five companies and roles in about four years. Each one of these pivots was within supply chain and operations, but focused on a different functional area. My story around this is that during that phase of my career, my focus was on gaining as much broad experience as I could in different functions in order to build a strong base and foundation so that I could be a more effective supply chain professional. This was helpful because not only was it true, it allowed me to own the narrative of my experience rather than leave it to others to come up with their own interpretation and label me as a serial job hopper. And with that, we did it. It might've taken five episodes to get here, but we finally got to the end of this career plan series. And now you should have a basic framework and tools needed to put together your own Ikigai career map and maintain it throughout your career so that it can continue to serve you. So I know that the content we covered here can be somewhat heavy and it can seem daunting to spend so much time focusing on your career. But again, I firmly believe that it's worth it. After all, for most of us working a full-time job and pursuing our own careers, we'll spend more time focused on it than any other part of our lives. And the pressure of getting it right and perfect can be significant. So one reminder I'll voice here is that while it is a big deal, my goal with this approach to a career map is that it's meant to be agile and nimble so that you never need to worry about getting it perfect. You're going to inevitably need to change course and make small or even large tweaks as you change and what you want out of your career changes. And I can't stress this enough, but that should be seen as a good thing. My hope is that this process has helped you to think about your career differently and that it can help you to make the most out of your career so that you can find purpose and fulfillment. And I did promise a shameless plug and I don't want to forget about that. So if you did find that five episodes of this kind of content wasn't quite enough for you, or if you wanted to dive deeper into any one of these areas to help you build out your your own career plan, I'll be offering an instructional program to help you craft your own career plan. This will include additional resources to what I'll be sharing uh, for, for free, uh, that I've spoken about in this episode, as well as one-on-one coaching sessions to help address your questions. Uh, we can brainstorm together and refine your story. There'll also be one, or there'll also be additional more advanced resources that can help you evaluate your career opportunities to see how they measure up against your Ikigai career map. And for those of you that love spreadsheets and numbers, this particular tool is for you. Now, the result of all this absolutely won't be perfect, but I promise you are going to make progress. So this career development specific course is meant to be a highly concentrated and shorter term coaching package to accelerate you through the process, but with a hands-on approach that you don't feel like you need to go it alone. So if this sounds like something you would be interested in, please send me a note and I'll make sure you're the first to know once the program's live. And I also offer non-career plan specific coaching at any time. So if you're interested in learning more about that also, please feel free to reach out. So in our next episode, we're going to take a look at the Harada method 
which has also been referred to as the human side of lean. It's a topic that I find particularly interesting, and it also contains some tools and ways of thinking about goal setting that I've also found to be useful when planning specific actions as a part of my career map. And as always, if you have any thoughts or questions about this episode or ideas you'd like to hear covered in future episodes, I'd love to hear them and please send them to me at patrick at prgscoach.com. And with that, I'll sign off with a certain type of perfection can only be realized through a limitless accumulation of the imperfect. Thanks again for listening in and we'll talk more in our next episode.